Bradley Griffin is a U.S. Army veteran and entrepreneur seeking the Republican nomination for Georgia's 10th district seat in the United States House of Representatives. He is currently a resident of Jasper County. Bradley Griffin, thank you for taking the time to talk to our radio audience on WRGC 88.3 FM. Well, thank you for having me. I sure do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll just start off with uh, perhaps one of the most important questions, and that is, why are you running for this office? Well, I always uh, like to preface that you have to set, um, you know, your love and your passion kind of to the side because I, I could talk about that as the reason for running all day long. Um, but some of the different reasons outside of love and passion for country is that I think our current representative, um, preaching Jody Heiss, is not really doing a whole lot for the 10th Congressional District. Um, we are blessed to have a very large district, and with that large geographic space, that comes with a lot of diversity, and there's a lot of differences. I mean, if you take a look at Athens, for example, it's got a lot of different challenges and needs when compared to, say, Eatonton or Sandersville or some of these other places that are, um, again, they have their own different needs. And so when you take a look at that and then you take a, a look at Jody's failing record um, for African-Americans, Latinos, working women, um, and, and just kind of across the board, it, it's time for somebody to, to step in. And really, the straw that broke the camel's back for me personally was about a year ago. See, as an airborne ranger, I actually had a parachute accident. And so that destroyed my vascular system and I was hospitalized. And I've been trying to work through the VA for about 11 years now. I've applied half a dozen times in a lot of different states like Arizona and Hawaii and Michigan and Georgia. Um, and I have not heard one way, yes or no, or anything um, from the VA because of a lot of the different issues that they're having. And so somebody recommended to reach out to my congressman, which at the time was Jody Heiss, and he absolutely ignored my emails, he ignored my phone calls, he ignored me as a veteran, and he ignored me as a person. And so for me personally, I had to look in the mirror and I had to sort of internalize some of my thoughts and I decided that I needed to uh, take a step in because of you know my background and, and some of the things that I've done and I think that I would be a better fit and I would work harder and I would not be outworked by anybody in the position. And I think you may have answered uh, parts of my next question in your last response, uh, but uh, perhaps you might want to take the opportunity to elaborate on it. Um, so I'll ask you, uh, could you critique the sitting congressman's tenure in a way that helps us understand why you challenge him for the Republican primary? Sure. So in one respect, you can look at his voting record. And I mean, he voted to fast track Obama's TPP plan vote. Um, when the majority of conservatives were against that, and also Americans' uh, interest was against that, yet he voted for that. Um, and then this last bill, the Omnibus, as a matter of fact, is a most recent example of him really not working for the country. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of things in that Omnibus bill that aren't that fantastic and things that I would have liked to have seen negotiated and have some more time and discussion around some of those topics and issues. But there are some great wins in there for, you know, things like the border wall, uh, as well as, you know, increases in, in the salaries for, for uh, you know, the military and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I, I just think at the end of the day, um, you know, he, he just spends a whole lot of time doing nothing. One other example that I like to give 
is right after the national championship football game, uh, he took to the house floor uh, and wanted to recap the Georgia Bulldog football season for 20 minutes. And, it, you know, listen, I love the Georgia Bulldogs. I support UGA and, and their athletics and different things of that nature, but we're not paying him $174,000 a year to do his best impersonation of a sports you know, broadcaster on the house floor. We need that time to be working on serious issues and we need that time, you know, to be addressing a lot of these challenges that are facing America. And he's using taxpayer time to, to talk about something that is not pressing in that moment. Now, how do you define character? Well, I think character is defined by the actions of the individual. I think it's a collective body of of those principles and those actions and, and really what makes up a person. And can you describe your philosophy for representing the roughly 740,000 people of Georgia's 10th congressional district? Well, I think that starts with what I've been doing during this campaign cycle, which is going to all of the different cities uh, and counties inside of the district attending different city council meetings, may, uh, meeting directly and privately with mayors of those cities and the elected officials of those cities, as well as business owners um, and, and really the leaders and, and movers and shakers of those communities that have, you know, different challenges that they're facing. And, and by meeting with those people, you're able to better understand what those problems are. And so then when you're at that federal position, you're able to ferret out or go for out a lot of those different federal resources that you can then start pushing down to those you know, elected officials and those local leaders so that they can start to implement the different changes and the solutions that they need. And I'll give you an example. You know, when I was meeting with Mayor Copeland in Milledgeville, she was talking about how their water pipes and their water infrastructure system is just really outdated. And so, they need help, um, you know, with that infrastructure to be able to sustain the industrious growth and all of the different jobs for that area. Now, in addition to that, if you go out to Loganville uh, and you talk to Mayor Ray Martinez, he'll tell you that, you know, they're growing and, and you know, things are going well in Loganville. And so that's leading to traffic congestion. And they really need to work on their roads and their infrastructure to be able to move those vehicles and that traffic in a more efficient and easier moving way. So, I mean, knowing all of these challenges, taking those challenges to Washington, finding those resources and providing those local officials and leaders with those dollars and those funds and those resources, that just makes everybody else's lives, you know, that much better, if that makes sense. So I think that's part of the job to answer the second part of that or, or to touch on the second part, I think is to address the major topics and issues. Like for example, we have uh, this caravan that's coming from Mexico, uh, you know, and up to our Southern border. And that's obviously a problem. And I think that President Trump has shown real leadership in talking about deploying, you know, the military to go ahead and protect our Southern border to, to make sure that these unvetted, undocumented illegal aliens do not cross into our country illegally. I'm all for legal immigration, but we need to follow the rule of law and we need to do it the right way because otherwise we're putting American lives in jeopardy and their safety at risk. So, you know, taking care of those, those issues are, are also, you know, need to be first and foremost for the people. 
And what is your vision for Georgia's 10th district in the next 10 years? And how will you begin to work to set that plan in motion during your tenure in Congress? My vision is a growth in jobs, as well as a growth in industry and opportunities. But also, we need to take a look at our education system, and we need to learn how we can provide trade skills training um, and bring back, you know, some different auto classes and, and different trade skills uh, classes so that we can start to prepare some of these um, young kids or, or the future generation uh, for our workforce. I think what you'll find when you sit down with a lot of different business owners, like at Shimmer and Schwartz or, you know, any of these ma major manufacturers across the, the 10th district, you know, they talk about how there's a real shortage in the talent pool because young kids nowadays are not being properly trained, um, you know, to take advantage of these, these openings that we do have. And so we have to make sure that we're, we're getting these young minds ready for the next uh, wave or the next generation ready for these jobs. Um, you know, and then in addition to that, we need to continue to see, um, you know, really smart decision-making along how we are managing uh, a lot of different environmental things. I mean, you know, we have folks who are really concerned about climate change and, and there's a lot of uh, science out there that, you know, contradicts it. So there's two parts to that story, but that doesn't mean we can't look at, you know, conserving what we do have and making sure that we're making smart decisions, um, but making sure also that we're not putting regulations in place that are going to cripple um, businesses or industries from reaching their potential. So really finding a fine line that works for everybody. And then lastly, you know, I see us really coming together. There's such a division right now in politics and also across the country in the way people feel and think about things. And I think one of the ways that we can change that is leadership. I think people that are running for this position that are sitting in the 10th congressional uh, seat, you know, they need to be more available. They need to be willing to sit down and have a discussion so that everybody can come to the table so that we can really hash some of these things out. Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of Americans do believe in the same principles and the same values. It's just that how they get there may be a little bit different. So by having a real discussion, by having, um, you know, those sit downs, I think that we can put our minds together. We can come together as a country and we can really start to push things forward. Can you describe the healthcare system that you'd like to see in America? Well, for starters, I mentioned that I had a parachute accident that destroyed my vascular system. So like many Americans, I'm reliant on one uh, prescription or another to maintain my overall health. And for me, that's blood thinners. And so I've been in a position in the past where I've been coming out of pocket, you know, $500 a month for a 30-day supply of pills. Um, and that's on top of, you know, the, the portion that the insurance will cover. And I, and I sure, surely know that, you know, when speaking to, to folks like this woman in Athens, she's a 73-year-old lady, and her husband has diabetes, and she has her own health issues, and they're on Medicare, they're on a fixed income. And so they have to come out of pocket, I think she said about $500 a month between the two of them, uh, to go ahead and get the, the prescription drugs that they need to be able to, um, you know, succeed. And so at the end of the day, it, it turns into, am I going to pay my light bill or am I going to, you know, stay alive so that I get another month? And so we can't do that to seniors, and we certainly can't do that to folks that rely on medication, you know, to, to exist. And so I'd like to look at lowering prescription drug costs. And I have four ways that I think we can do that. 
First, we need to allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices. Under the current system, there's no way for Medicare to negotiate prices with the drug companies. And so the drug companies are allowed to set whatever price they wish, and Medicare is forced to buy that. That's not right. The second thing we need to do is we need to reduce the amount of time that companies have to patent drugs. Right now, it's at 20 years. We need to lower that potentially to 15 or even 10 years to speed generic drug prescriptions onto the market because statistics show that when there's prescription drugs, generics on the market, along with name brands, the name brand as well as the generics are much, much cheaper than they would be otherwise if one company has a complete dominance on one drug. The third thing we need to do is we need to make sure that we're auditing the FDA process on generic drug manufacturers to make sure we're speeding up that process. Right now there's a backlog, and I believe that's because there's not enough folks to process the amount of information and paperwork that goes into the FDA process. It's a very lengthy process. It goes with a lot of audits to make sure that these drugs are safe for consumption. And so we need to look at growing that so that we can clear this backlog to rush those generics safely onto uh, the shelves so people have that option and so costs go down. And then lastly, we need to remove the need for patient consent when a generic drug becomes available so that Medicare, for example, can uh, switch over to the less costly drug so that that way the individual is still getting the same health benefits, but it's costing our country literally billions of dollars less on a yearly basis. And so there's a lot of money there that we can really reclaim and use for other projects and in other areas like the VA, for example. Um, and we just need to do it in a smart way. And how do you plan to begin work towards um, those changes uh, during your time in the U.S. House of Representatives? Well, on top of personal accountability and doing everything you can personally, I think you also have to make a lot of friends and you have to network and you have to be able to work with uh, other individuals who have heard similar concerns from their constituents and you really need to sit down and you need to put together a solid plan that will work for America in general. Um, and I think that by working together and, and again, bringing people together is all, all, all about what we need to do here. Because like I said, this divisiveness is not doing anything for anybody. The Democrats are fractured. The Republicans are fractured. America as a whole is fractured. And we need to come together. We need to unify. We need to work together. And we need to do what's right for America. And, uh, of course, you've uh, mentioned uh, the need to unify in your last two, um, and you've mentioned also that um, you think that uh, honest conversations with one another, uh, regardless, I guess, of ideological frameworks, uh, is one pathway towards that. Um, I was just wondering if uh, you'd like the opportunity to elaborate on um, how we can heal the divisiveness that defines this time in American politics. Well, again, it, it, it comes with individual accountability and it comes with the ability to, you know, I, I hate this term, I guess, but to have some, some thicker skin or put, put our pride to the side or whatever you want to call it, maybe take off our jerseys and realize we're all Americans. You know, it's not the red team and the blue team um, and really get a chance to sit down and have that discussion because listen, none of us are mind readers that I'm aware of. So that means we're not going to know how each other are feeling about things unless we honestly sit down and have a discussion. I mean, through, through that conversation process, I think, is where that healing begins and, and understanding, again, we're all Americans. We're all on the same team. 
Now, why should members of our radio audience vote for you? Well, as I mentioned, uh, I am uh, an Airborne Ranger, an Army veteran. So I've served at a high level in regards to the military. With our current conflicts across the globe, whether it's in Syria and the information about, you know, President Trump looking to remove the troops there, but other folks not so sure that that's a great decision. Or if you look at the escalating situation, uh, situation with North Korea or constant uh, participation in Middle East affairs, you know, there's a lot of decisions that do have to take place on the military side. And so we need somebody that's actually served and somebody who has that firsthand experience at a high level to be a part of those decisions and that decision-making process. Second, I'm also the only candidate in the entire race that has built from scratch a national business. I have a national digital marketing agency. We have clients all the way out in Honolulu, Hawaii. We have people in Los Angeles and Phoenix and Atlanta. We have people in my hometown of Michigan. Um, you know, so we've done really well, we've grown. And so by battling regulations and understanding the different hold, uh, holds on businesses, I think we can really go in there and make some differences so that these different restrictions aren't limiting the potential of small and medium-sized businesses because those are really the businesses that are the engines that drive America's economy. Um, so we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to foster a strong business environment. I have that experience. And then lastly, like I said, nobody's going to outwork me. I'm gritty. I'm determined. I, I absolutely will be the first one to show up in the morning, and I'll be the last one to leave at night. Uh, and that's all through dedication and passion. So I think that all of those three, uh, three things combined, you know, side by side with the other candidates, it's, you know, the best resume. And I, I think that I'm the best man for the job. And I sure do ask for, you know, anyone's vote that I can get. Now, those are all the questions I have for you, but I'd just like to um, turn it around and offer you the opportunity to um, talk about anything that I did not ask you a question about or to go back and place a greater emphasis on anything that we did talk about. No, I, you know, I think you did a really fantastic job um, in giving me freedom to you know, kind of walk into different areas and explain different parts of our campaign. At the end of the day, you know, I was one of seven uh, other kids, so eight children. We were raised on a dirt road on a farm. You know, we, we baled hay and we plowed fields and we milked cows. And I was raised with a very old school traditional uh, value, if you will. And so I think that's one of the things that we're lacking, along with uh, a little bit of honesty and integrity and some of these other things that I was able to gain while in the military service. Um, and so I really just want to take all of these different skills and all of these different values and, and principles that I encompass, and I want to put those to work for America. And how can our radio audience uh, get in contact with your campaign to find out more, to volunteer, or to engage in any other way? Sure. So you can follow us on Twitter at Griff for Congress. That's G-R-I-F-F, the number four, and then Congress. And then you can also check us out on the website at BradleyGriffin.us. And then there's a place where you can email, and those emails will come directly to us. So whether you're um, you know, an individual who'd like to volunteer, you can also donate there um, or get in touch with us. Or if you know there's a different member of the media or somebody who who wanted to even ask me further questions about anything that we discussed today, there's a press section and they can get in touch with us that way too. Well, Bradley Griffin, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to speak to our radio audience today on WRGC 88.3 FM. Thanks for having me. Take care and God bless.